the date today is. <laughs> I'm supposed to talk about dates, right? Don't talk about dates. But today is what day? I don't know. <laughs> Let me look at my calendar. It's October 9th. That was a very flaccid opening. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Just leave it. There's nothing flaccid about it. Um, Thanksgiving 2016. I don't I don't know why I'm talking about Thanksgiving. This is terrible. We should restart. No, no. Keep, keep going. See if we can find keep it. Keep going. Hello. Welcome to How About a Time Machine. My name is William Blake. Okay, wait, wait, wait. No, no. Do you like my poetry? What's your name again? William Blake. Like James Bond? My name is Bernard Russell. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm back. What episode are we in? I think we're episode... I don't know. What's the date, Arash? October something. I, I think we've lost our sense of time. I'm going to say serious things now. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. Welcome to How About a Time Machine. My name is Diego Romero. My name is Arash Gekpur. Wow. Real shit. Um... We are seated here in the Dance Center boardroom on Davy and Granville on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish people, including Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Unceded means that this land has never been relinquished or handed over in any way. And thank you for listening. Well, yeah, I just wanted to bring up Debbie Blair, who was a lovely... Um, person who was always around uh, the dance community uh, and and the arts community in ge- general she unfortunately got um, lost uh, hiking I think last week a week and a half ago actually no actually a week ago and that's really un- 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 unfortunate I think it was a, it was a very sad week and uh, they tried to rescue her uh, or to find her with the rescue group and and they after a couple days they were uh, unsuccessful and they had to get, give up and um, I still hope there's some sort of a uh, thing that happens that maybe brings her back to us. But uh, if not, we say thank you, Debbie, and uh, we wish you lots of peace. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so today's guest, well, we recorded that a very, very long time ago, but our guest is what was the date on the previous recording around? I have no idea really I think it a pretty good date uh, with Cornelius Fisher Credo Cornelius Fisher Credo yes it was a lot of fun lots um, of fun lots of fun really really enjoyed uh, talking to Cornelius because we haven't really I mean I hadn't met Cornelius at all and uh, he was away in um in Italy for f- for about twelve years, I think, and he came back, and then I I only heard about him, so it was really it was really amazing just talk to him and, and just experience his energy and just en- enthusiasm and and his uh, just his way of being is is mm-hmm. quite inspiring. It was fantastic. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. I'm trying to snack throughout the whole thing so you guys get all my crunchy sounds. Arash <laughs> doesn't like it. We get into that's big the only hate mails we get. We about get you <laughs> eating. Sh- Stuff we get into very very long fights about this because you, your stomach can't handle an hour of not eating. I understand. <laughs> or a, having coffee. I'm a growing boy. Okay. I'm actually worse than you. Anyway. So I get in a lot of trouble because Arash wants me to stop eating while we interview people, which is difficult because snacking is fun, and also stop mentioning specific dates because apparently that's not good for anybody. Um, so I'm going to stop. It's that. about hiding the truth, really, right? It's, it's about lying. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> uh, I get, yeah, we sit there and he gives me notes for like five hours. <laughs> I, give, I never give notes. He gives me notes and then I just sit there and I nod and I nod and I nod and then my neck hurts and then, and then we, I go home. <laughs> and here we give you Cornelius Fisher Credo. Enjoy. Hey, wait, wait. Uh, <laughs> fuck? I have more to say. Say it. No, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> you have to say it now. No, I have nothing to say. Violence wins I have every no time. Words. Say it, Diego. I, I have no words. You surrendered to the audience. Say it. They can't even Put see your me. head down. I don't even know if anybody listens to this podcast, Rash. We, we have no way of knowing how many people listen. Don't we make are. me pull a puzzle in it and put you in front of the, in the podcast. How, 
this is ridiculous. We, we have like nine episodes and we have no idea how many people are listening. No, we don't actually. Oh, we didn't say what episode this is. Oh, I think it's episode, what's the date again? Actually, we're done. Bye. Enjoy the interview. Yeah, I mean, just my, I mean, give you a little bit of my history. Uh-huh. Yeah, sounds it, good. You know, because uh, I, I, my, father, my father was a sculptor. I come from an artistic family. My mother was a dancer when she was young. In New York? No, no, way back in the day, way back. My, I, I was born in Germany. I'm a German. And my father was a sculptor, and uh, he traveled all over the world. And so I inherited uh, some artistic sensibility, and I, I draw without—I I can draw without really having studied. And I was always interested in art and drawing, but I was very, very physical when I was young. I was incredibly physical, and I loved soccer, sport, running. So my mother, I got injured in soccer once, and my mother said, why don't you do a couple of dance classes to rehabilitate yourself? So I said, what? You know, like I was a jock. She said, just try it. So I went, and I actually liked it. So I was going to SFU at the time, and then I started doing some early kinesiology classes because they didn't have a dance department in SFU with Iris Garland, and yeah. it was like way back in the day, like the first classes. And, and then I, I was in second year there, and I, got, I said, this is like what I want to do. So I, I quit university and moved to Toronto and started dancing at Toronto Dance Theater. Mm-hmm. Then went to England and at the London Contemporary Dance Theater. I was there, and I danced with their, with their junior company, and I came back, danced with Toronto Dance Theater, and then I went to New York and started my real serious dance training. And at that time, mm-hmm. Barishnikov had just defected, and, the, and there was this big, sudden influx of ballet. Mm-hmm. Like, every modern dancer had to do ballet. Yeah. So I said, shit, I had to do ballet. Right. Mm-hmm. But it actually worked for me, because my body was way more conducive to ballet than, mm-hmm. uh, Graham, uh, than Graham, Martha Graham. For instance, I was at the on scholarship at the Graham School, and I just, it was just destroying me, so I quit. Right. I was at the Ailey School for a while, but then I mostly studied ballet mm-hmm. with all the big ballet teachers, Maggie Black and David Howard, all these famous people that I, you know, I was in class with, with Barishnikov and yeah. Elsie Cook and these, these famous people. And I look back, I was like, what an amazing time to have started my training. <laughs> it happened to be at a time in New York where it was, was like the dance boom. Yeah. yeah it was yeah, totally yeah. great. And you know, I, how, old, how old you were? And I started, I didn't start dancing until I was 19, almost 20. Mm-hmm. So by the time I got to New York, I was 25, 26, and mm-hmm. didn't really starting my serious training at that time. I was old. I was old for a dancer. Right, starting in 1990. But I excelled. Yeah, I excelled pretty quickly and got into companies, and I danced professionally in New York for you know five years there. Mm-hmm. And um, then I, I danced with Twilight Hart briefly, sort of the really? famous, if I want to name drop, is the most famous. And I danced with several other people. Which Twilight Hart work? Uh, I was in the in the um, the making of the uh, what's it called the uh, oh shit the Catherine's wheel. Oh, cool, cool. I was in the beginning. I was in the first creation process of that, and we were you know given choreographic uh, problems to solve and stuff. And I was an arrogant little fuck, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I was full of beans. And I you know she gave me a problem, I solved it, and then I came back to her. She said, "I didn't tell you to do that." I said, "No, yes, you did." So, all the other dancers are going, Cornelius, don't do this. I stood up to her. I said, no, you're wrong. I told her. So needless to say, the next day, I was not on the rehearsal schedule, and that was my standing stint with uh, Twyla Tharp. That's funny. She was a total bitch, but I mean, that's off the record, but she was, and then most people would say that. But she was brilliant, really brilliant, and I learned a lot from her. Then I got I got off a job in, in Hong Kong. I went to, I moved to Hong Kong for three years. I was yeah dancing with a contemporary ballet company in Hong Kong. So I did three years in Hong Kong, and then I decided to go back to New York. I went back for a couple of months, and uh, the AIDS thing was just, it was like 85, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and the AIDS was like really at its peak, and it was like a ghost town. I, I knew about six dancers that had died already mm-hmm. of AIDS, and oh. it was like a completely freaky, like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I do not want to be in this, in this environment. So I moved back to Vancouver. Came back here and then started teaching a little bit at uh, the old Harbor Dance Studio. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I so worked with the Go Ballet a little bit. Where was Harbor at that point? That was Harbor was down on Hastings Street. Yeah. Yeah, it was the old, old place there. And I I danced with, with Chet Go. He was my, my ballet teacher and uh, oh, yeah, did yeah. a little no. classical stuff with him. And But I was basically freelancing a lot. And then I was in, in class at Harvard Dance one day, and a guy named Harvey Miller, I don't know if you've talked to Harvey. Or no, 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 no. Anyway, Harvey's a real, he's a real blast. So he was dancing with this, this little little company called Mountain Dance Theater. Uh-huh. It's around the same time that Kokoro started. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And, was, and the, the director... Maureen Allen. Maureen Allen, okay. Yeah. 
and she was having nervous breakdown or something, and 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 he, uh, Harvey, had heard of me that I, that I just got back from from being away, being the dancing in New York. And he said, "Look, you're an experienced dancer, and uh, we're in desperate need of uh, artistic direction for this company. Are you interested?" And this is like uh, maybe about a month or two months after I've gotten back. Right. But well, yeah, okay, why not? So I, I went and had a meeting with the board of directors. They said, "We'll give you this company." What? You know, take it, because the Maureen Allen had basically just walked out. Yeah. So I was sort of, inher I inherited this. Thing. It was called Mountain Dance Series at that time. I inherited this little company. I went, okay. First thing, I <laughs> basically fired all the dancers, except for Harvey. Harvey and I had made a connection. So Harvey and I basically decided to be a, a partnership and uh, re-establish re re some kind of vision or direction for the company. and. And uh, we call it Dance Core. We, we renamed it and decided Dance to Core. Dance Core. Yeah, that was okay. a, the first name for the company. And we were together for ten years. We did. We had, we held in there for ten years and basically decided to get into the game, play the the, the dance the dance company game. Mm -hmm. And at that time, everybody the, the paradigm was everybody wanted to be a company. Right. To get company funding yeah. from the Canada Council and the province, so that was the big paradigm yeah. that everybody worked out. There was more, um, Anna Wyman was the oldest, the most established. Yeah. Paula Ross, Judith Marcuse, Karen Jamison, and Jumpstart had just started. Who's in Jumpstart? Jumpstart was Lee Eisler. Uh -huh. um, they were like oh, okay, a okay. little yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, smaller company. And Kikora was about the same as us. We were like trying to get into yeah. the to yeah. the funding stream, yeah. and it's yeah. it's like a nightmare because the established companies basically had the they had locked mm -hmm. the funding in. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you got maybe little project funding, so it was just a huge mm -hmm. struggle from mm -hmm. point 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 zero. So were you guys uh, commissioning choreographers or no? Basically, basically. It started with me basically choreographing. Very soon after, Harvey had an intention to choreograph, so he yeah. it was basically him and my work. Choreography, cool. Yeah. It was it had to be project based, so we right. would start. You know, we were basically pretty much always. I think there was one year we actually finally got Canada Council funding. We had a an actual roster of dancers for yeah. a whole year, but we were pretty much project based each time. And usually four or five dancers plus Harvey and I, because mm -hmm. there weren't a lot of good male dancers around. So, and it was an all male uh, company. No, it was all oh, mostly yeah. female. Mostly, oh, yeah, mostly yeah. with female dancers, with Harvey and I being the only male. Oh, dancers. I see, I see. Right. Nice. And so, yeah, so we just started doing our regular, you know, seasons, every two projects a year. Yeah. Plus, being on uh, dancing for dancing on the edge, right. and then we applied to, to dance in Canada. We were uh, Canada Dance Festival. Yeah. So we go dance in Canada. We were in Ottawa, and so we started doing that, and and slowly getting recognition, you know, and getting recognized. But the problem with with the the, the landscape at that time is that it was very heavily biased towards uh, Quebec choreographers. Like the right. big big uh -huh. happening dance at that point in terms of mm -hmm. contemporary dance was coming out of, of Quebec. And they basically had the the lion's share of the money, uh -huh. and they had a thing called the Red Group Mont, which is a a, a fund, a lobbying body in in in, in the province of Quebec for yeah. art, for the arts. So they had these heavy duty lobbying. They, they would just get tons of money wow. from corporations, right. from different different uh, funding organizations. Uh -huh. They would get huge budgets. You know, Jean Pierre Perrault and these, you know, um, Jeanette Laurent and uh, the, all these people were. Hugely funded mm -hmm. at the time. Was provincial. It was it was uh, city. It was federal, and All like combined. ten times more than any company here. It was uh -huh. insane. It was the bias was insane, mm -hmm. and they were already bringing in European people, and they already had a connection to doing stuff in Europe, mm -hmm. and it was amazing. I, whenever I went to Montreal, it's like, yeah, fuck, we we're, doing, we're we're doing crap out in, in the West, you know. Uh -huh. But a large part I do because you don't if you don't have the production dollar, you don't have the time to hire dancers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to do something that is not hokey, but it's it's way l lower budget. You can't be in big theaters. No. No. And at that time, I think Anna Wine was getting like four hundred and fifty a four hundred fifty thousand a year. You know, like <laughs> we were getting maybe fifty. Right. Right. And then this thing happened in, I think it was national, but certainly provincial, was the casino, like, I don't know if you ever heard Gaming. of it. Gaming money. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that Which was, was another complete freaking nightmare. But it started to generate more money, right. more potential, but it came with all sorts of um, political uh, territory. And it was just, it, it, was, it, was, it was difficult. Uh -huh. 
And uh, we did try to do also, there was an educational thing that started happening for if you did school shows, you get potentially more funding. So we had to create uh, some kind of school show or some kind of community-based work. And I did this thing, thing called the Home Show, which was this totally bizarre thing when we took into shopping malls. And, uh, yeah, so I, I, I was always interested in doing more experimental work, so more diverse uh, things other than traditional. I was very much influenced by Pina Bausch, and I, I really liked that dance, the dance theater aesthetic, yeah. as opposed to more abstract dance. Mm-hmm. So that was most of my work was 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 heavily into using video or mm-hmm. usually building. I, I build. I like to build things, so I built huge sets, and yeah. there was always some kind of environment involved when I did my work. So, what was your relationship like with the civic theaters, if, if at all, or where were you? We most of most of our work was done at the Couch, yeah, or at the Fire Hall, cool. mm-hmm. and sometimes the Norman Rustin. Yeah. Yeah, we did shows there. As far as the, the largest theaters, no playhouse or no. any of those. No. I did. I did. I think I did a piece there for some choreographic platform that we did. It was a, some French choreographic platform where they. Oh, it's the York Theater. What's that? The York Theater was that around? The York. Did yes, the York Theater was around, but I never used it. Edom. I remember seeing a show with Edom. It was on one on commercial, right? Yeah. 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 yeah I saw a show. Edom used that theater. Yeah, I was wondering. I just wanted to yeah. uh, underline that your trip to Hong Kong. I think it's amazing. So I was just wondering how how did that happen? That well, I, I was dancing with a choreographer in, in uh, New York that was mm-hmm. Asian, Chen Chen She was uh, from from Beijing, and she was very well connected to China and and Hong Kong. And she got invited to the um, Asian Arts Festival, which is in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And we went there, uh, took our piece there, and uh, there was a director, there was a company called City Contemporary Dance Company, it was a contemporary ballet company, and the director saw me dancing. It was an Asian white guy, a Caucasian Asian mixed dancers company. And they were well funded. He was like a multi-million. He funded it himself. They, he had a, a building that all the dancers lived in. Like they had a high-rise apartment building that we owned. In, in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, he owned that he owned that we lived in, and we had studios on, on the top floor. No way. That's awesome. So yeah, it was pretty ins- insane. So I was there, went there for a six-month contract, and I ended up staying three years because I, <laughs> I really liked the company and yeah. uh, they liked me, and it, it worked really well. So nice. we got to tour all through Asia, and um, it was very cool. That's very interesting. And yeah. that, was, that was your thing. That was before coming here. And before coming here. And yeah. mountain dance and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Before, yeah, basically, most of my dance career was spent outside of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Toronto, I danced in three years in Toronto when you're in, in London, then seven years in, in New York, and three years in Hong Kong. And then I came back. So why did you choose to come back to Vancouver instead of head to Toronto or... Or Montreal? Well, actually, I was coming. I I just did not want to be in in New York. Yeah. I came back to Vancouver just to buy sort of bide my time and hang out. My family was here, and right. you know, I grew up here. But I had no intention of staying here. Uh-huh. I had mm-hmm. um, all the intention of going either back to New York or maybe probably Montreal, Toronto, Toronto more so than Montreal because I didn't speak French. Right. And the, and the francophones were quite biased towards <laughs> towards the anglophones, so. Um, but then I got this company handed to me, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, one thing led to another. Yeah. Uh, Olivia Torvaldson is another dancer that worked with me, and then we, we became engaged, and, you know, the, the personal life came in, and uh, right. my mother was getting older, and I decided I, I should spend time with her and, and take care of her, and uh, so I just thought, okay, I'll, I'll make it happen here. Yeah. So we, we just decided that, um, Harvey and I decided, we're going to make this happen. And, and we, we, did, we did well. We, we, we had a company for 10 years, and we did a, a lot of interesting work, a lot of experimental work. And outside of that, I, I, I worked with the Ballet BC. I did some work for them uh, and did some work for the National Ballet of Canada. So, again, way too experimental. They, they loved it, but they said, there's no way we can buy this from you. <laughs> so, so it was always on, on the pushing the envelope a little bit. I, I always liked work that was challenging the audience and challenging my performers and, and using unusual concepts or using mm-hmm. video and um, yeah so and even the, the, the probably even back then the, the props and the set and all that stuff to be like they were made by you and all that stuff that, that was probably even a bit un- unusual it was yeah because a lot at that time of the lot there was a lot of the, the basically if not abstract but just straight um, movement oriented dance like mm-hmm. Anna Wyman was from the sort of Palabalus right. uh, 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 Abel school which was just interesting costume but just into shape and, and movement mm-hmm. nothing no narrative 
there weren't many. Jumpstar was the only. She, the Eiser had worked or had studied a bit with Pina Bausch, who had a similar, little, similar ideas in terms of wanting to do dance theater. Uh-huh. But Harvey and I were, I think, were the only people for quite a while that were doing what we call dance theater. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. What was your process like? Well, I mean, if it's, if it was limited again because of funding. So it was. I spent a lot of time processing the work myself. I created most of the material on my own body. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time with my with myself in the studio, mm-hmm. or with maybe one dancer, and uh, and then would job people in for four week uh, four week usually four week rehearsal period was okay. was it. Yeah. And, and, we, and, we, and then boom, we have the show. You got to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and so, it, in terms of actual uh, process, it mm-hmm. was not really so much as driving movements, themes, and stuff down people's throats. Say, you got to do this. Let's go. Okay, yeah. boom, boom, boom. And yeah. you know, so I tried to hire dancers that could learn quickly. And so, mm-hmm. that aspect of it, I, I, I feel, is a little short in terms of being able to really develop a work or even go back to remounting a work and re, re, reprocessing it because. The funding body said, "Okay, what are you going to do this year? You know, what's what's new? What's new? We want to see something different." No, we saw that piece. We've already, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. We've already have it. We already have reviews on that. <laughs> you know, so that was again the pressure. You know, we had to new shows every year, and we were not. It wasn't polished enough work, so the producers would go. We would pick this work. It was had more refinement. If there were better, whatever sets or you yeah. know. So again, it was a it's catch twenty two. Yeah. So often we couldn't get tours because we were too expensive, and we did a couple of tours. We went to Calgary and we did we did some some touring, but in those days where you could still tour, now I think it's pretty much impossible to. It's too expensive. But uh, the process was more or less material coming out of my body, and I put, would put it onto the dancers. Not a whole lot of improvisation or. Mm-hmm. Because I just felt challenged to have okay, I've got to have ten minutes for this this next three days. I got boom, boom, boom. Okay, this, this, do this. You know, and I use some of the formulas I'd, I'd learned from Twilight Tharp, where you know I'd, I'd give people problems to solve and choreographic problems. But again, the, the, there wasn't a whole lot of redoings. Things it was I had to take it. And uh, yeah, so usually props I would build myself. I sometimes work with people. A guy named Bill Peckett, who was an architect, we worked on this really interesting project. I think it was one of my favorite piece that I did, and I actually know I'm getting young was, was a part of it. Um, he was one of the dancers in it, and it was called Savage Parade, and it was a, I, I, we used a fire hall all the time. Right. Yeah. It was an old fire hall. I, upstairs was a, it was a rehearsal hall, and downstairs was a theater. And so I was rehearsing so one like day, and I saw these squares in, this, in four corners, and I said, there were poles here. This is where the guys slept, and they, they had the poles going down, and where the, the fire engines were down where the theater is. Yeah. And I suddenly had this idea, I want to do a piece that is upstairs and downstairs simultaneously. Cool. I, just, I just had this idea, and I just went, I want to open that up. Is, is that to, why they blocked it up? <laughs> I, went to, I, went to, I went to Donna Spencer, I said, Donna, there's a hole there. She said, what are you talking about? There's not. I said, Donna. If there is not a hole there, a circular hole where the fire pole went down, yeah. I will pay to have a new floor put in. She said, you're insane, but okay. She actually went for it. Yeah. We dug it up, and, and there, there, there it was. Still there? There's a fucking hole. Then the other place, there were two holes. So I, said, I came up with this idea, okay, I'm going to oh split God. the audience in half uh-huh. and have half the audience watching the downstairs part of the piece, yeah. other half watching the upstairs, have an intermission, and the audience changes and we do the piece oh, again. Nice. So one, upstairs was like this cabaret, kind of weird, twisted cabaret uh-huh. thing. People were singing and dancing, and sort of wacky, almost comedic. Downstairs was this sort of subterranean underworld, and we had a sandbox, and people were going back to memory, and there was more, much more, it was darker, more serious. Uh-huh. And these two little girls that were pretty much they look almost like twins that would appear at different places at different points in in, in, in the pieces and then one would appear and suddenly the other would appear and so it was like this they were they were they were meant to be ghosts they were the ghosts of the actual space and oh, the piece was and they just, were dancers those they were just kids running around and, and, oh, yeah, wow. and they were running in and out of the performances so the, the piece was really incredibly well received and uh, yeah, I heard we, did, it we had a, we had quite a run and, and I just saw Donna Spencer at the Dancing in the Ice Festival just this, this past Dancing in the Festival and said you know if the theater wasn't reconfigured and the lighting grid wasn't in the way I would want to remount that piece so totally. yeah and they, but they have covered it because I remember once yeah. being like 
I mean, now the grid is covering because of the reconfiguration or something. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah like Cornelius did, we can't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> but she's actually said she would she would win. But that was one of so that was the stuff amazing. like. What's that? Would you remount to do I, I think I would. I, I you know I, yeah. I I stopped really choreographing in 2002 and I stopped dancing and then. Uh, in 2010, uh, Josh Beamish, who has moved the company, mm -hmm. they did this project for the Olympic Games where it was a repertory project yeah. where they took four choreographers and remounted works from 1999 or before. Mm -hmm. And I remounted one a piece that I uh, called The Beauty Machine for three female dancers. Uh -huh. uh, uh, Kathleen McDonough, Karen Farquhar, and Corey Caulfield. Mm -hmm. crazy, wow. crazy Corey. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I sort of typecast it. They all had very large breasts. So, And I was uh, very open about it. I said, this is about beauty, about female beauty. And they wrote monologues about plastic surgery. And, and, uh, and it was very sort of, it had almost a feminist uh, kind of take on it. It was very in your face, and it was really a, a very exciting piece. And they, we had a chance to remount it with, with young dancers. Cool. And, and the, the three original cast came and worked with them, and it was, a, it was a really, really wonderful process. But that was the last, my last time I sort of actually did any, any and I didn't choreograph, I was, just, I was directing. I was, but that was the last time I sort of dabbled back into dance. But 2002 was really the, the last year I, I danced, and I danced with Lola McLaughlin. I did a lot of project with her, yeah. where I basically built a rock wall on stage and had to dance, but I was lifting like granite, you know, 80 pound granite blocks and breaking a rock wall. And um, where was this? This is at the Cult. We did it at the Cult, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. And then you moved to Florence after that. And then I, yeah, then I, I did, um, yeah, I moved to Florence in 2003. And you stopped dancing, so you didn't continue dancing when you got back? No, I basically just had a cathartic sort of, uh, I separated from my wife, who was Kathleen McDonough, we were together for 12 years, mm -hmm. and we split up, and it sort of, I don't know, it's like a catalyst for me saying, change your life. <laughs> I needed I need to just get away from the dance. I was working also at UBC teaching dance for yeah. jocks. And I just quit everything. I was I was the president of the dance the dance center for like seven years. I actually was in, in, integral in, in making this happen. No way. I was in the last five years of, of the before the creation of this building. We were like committees, and just, it was like a nightmare. But it finally happened. Uh -huh. you know, I was I was uh, I was on the uh, president of the board at that time. So I spent a lot of time there <laughs> after uh, after the fact after we got in. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so. I just really walked away from it. I tried a little bit of dance teaching in Italy. It's just that Italy's not into it's not the dance scene there is not great. So it's not? no, it's uh, it's interesting. You'd think it would be, but yeah. it's really not. It's uh, yeah. There's very little funding for the arts. There's a lot of funding for museums and and uh. and music, but not dance. Dance really is everywhere. Any talented uh, dancer in Italy goes away. Right. So. Belgium and Germany and Holland are the big countries. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So I, I I've really been away from it, and uh, coming back now after 12 years, uh, I feel like I want to maybe reintroduce myself to at least being involved. I don't know in terms of mentorship or I don't know about choreography. Uh, a couple of projects uh, people have asked me to be possibly involved with, but um, I don't know at this point. Yeah, but uh, it was a. It was a really vibrant time for dance at the, during the time that we we basically had our company eighty eight to ninety eight. Yeah. We did our last show together at um, at the Roundhouse actually, um, Harvey and I. And then I continued with a company called Astrid Dance, named after my mother, for four before I left for Italy. So I had a, a, comp, a company on my own for yeah. a few years, and then um, I self produced at the dance festival at the Canada Dance Festival after having a huge. <laughs> <laughs> Rao with Kathy Levy, who was the, the producer of the Canada Dance Festival mm -hmm. at the time. And so I self-produced. I think I was the first company to actually self-produce at the, at the dance festival. Um, yeah, so... And, that was and anyway, the, 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 the landscape that was such that there was a lot happening, but for, for very, very little money. Right. But, mm -hmm. but there was a huge amount of creativity happening, and in, Vancouver. happening in Vancouver. And Soufay was became came into the scene soon after we were we were established. Dance Corps was established, and I actually worked with Soufay on one of her projects. And we were very much in, always connected. And and she actually danced for me in a piece with Susan Elliott, cool. mm -hmm. crazy piece uh, based on on uh, Joan of Arc. Oh, crazy! Did the TV one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Soufay with the TV. I, I heard one. Yeah. 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 
And um, so Sufi was nice. was very very a very potent force, creative force, in the community. Mm-hmm. And so there was a vibrance here, but it, it never it never went anywhere because there always like there always something else happened in, in Montreal or, or you know like we finally got into into the council funding. We were supposed to get three-year funding, and after two years, they cut us. It was like it never happened. And it turned out there was some kind of political thing that uh, a couple of choreographers, Jeff Hall and uh, Pierre Paul Savoir, mm-hmm. got our funding or something. And uh, it's, not, it's just some political thing happened that suddenly we didn't have funding again. So and a lot of that happened with Great. the dance funding in Vancouver. And there's a historical thing about the uh, province of British Columbia. It's very conservative, social credit from way back. Yeah. So when, when the rest of Canada was getting boom funding, big funding mm-hmm. for the arts in the 70s, it was social credit here. There's, it was no fund. It was zero funding. So it's been really, it has had a history of being badly funded. And I think it's getting better now, somewhat. But that mm-hmm. was a huge problem. But the creativity continued to, to be here. Right. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. I think that's what's now it's becoming so much it's more vibrant. Yeah. It's 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 so exciting. It's, I'm so so happy to see that cool. the scene in Vancouver has actually evolved. Mm-hmm. Because for for so long it was stagnant. It was just mm-hmm. there was creativity but it's just it didn't do the jump. Right. Everybody kept expecting it's gonna happen. This 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 is when it, it didn't. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. Did you recognize it not happening while you were in it? Yeah, yeah, it was very, it was very frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Mm. There was just, yeah, just uh, the, the bureaucracy was the, the thing I hated most about being. Yeah, I'm just not smart enough, or just I just don't have the, the patience and the temperament to deal with the bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Something like Soufflé is brilliant. Uh, some people are brilliant at it, and uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. <laughs> I walked out. I, t- I told way too many people to <laughs> shove it. <laughs> my, my Jim Smith. Jim Smith was our manager, and he kept going, Cornelius, why? Oh why do you keep doing these things? Why? <laughs> yes. Why? Yes. Please, please don't. <laughs> so, so yeah. were you guys with Eponymous? Yeah, he was already a part. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he, and then he's, no, he's basically managed every major uh, dance company in the, in the city mm-hmm. outside of Bally, B.C., but yeah. Yeah, he's at the dance house. Dance house. Yeah, so he's not a dance house. I used yeah. to be a I think Palmas is still, it's still, still, yeah, still yeah, existing, yeah. but it, he was, uh, yeah, he, he was running it out of out of that. So where wait, where were you rehearsing your stuff? So we had a. I, I inherited along with the dance company. Yeah. <coughs> I inherited a building mm-hmm. at Fifth and Yukon. It doesn't exist anymore. They tore it down, but there is still across the street this sort of collective. There's like a Potters and. There's a right across from the police station. There's a still a low, two-story building. I think there's still a lot of artists in there. Well, across the street from that, which is now like subsidized housing for heroin addicts or something, or that used to be our building. And it was this funky, insane building that has quite a small studio. There was a small studio about this size and the one about twice as big that we used to do our work in. So we <laughs> created work in really small spaces. And but upstairs we had this attic, this huge gigantic attic that kept we had stuff in there Set. like sets and props and, and then people would leave stuff there <laughs> and then a guy named Jeff Cornes I don't know if you know he's a composer yeah. yeah he was living there for a while I remember coming in one and I said Jeff what are you doing here I said well um, I'm sort of staying here <laughs> and we had this, li- there was this there was this little room with no windows in it that was the first room of Rumble Productions. I was in Rumble, Norman Arnold, yeah, yeah, who's yeah, now yeah, the star of the push. The push, the push. I mean, he was in a little, <laughs> little room without windows, and ch- I think chain smoking there. And he'd stick his head out now and then. We were rehearsing, and he'd be this manic person writing a script or something. It was <laughs> hilarious. It was just insane. It was, <laughs> and that was the Yukon and yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a nice little collaborative because we had lots of people rehearsing there. We had people using the space, and we let people uh, leave their their sets in there because we had so much space. It was like. I think six hundred bucks a month or something. It was it was oh, great. Oh, so it was it was a gift. Yeah. You know, I, it really. I just thought I I should stay in in this community because I was I'm being given a dance company. I mean, given a, a, a rehearsal space. You know, and, and that was Mount Mountain Dance that you said. That was Mountain Dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So that was uh, yeah. Those are the salad days for sure. Was it? Was there any sort of unexpected obstacles that you felt like sort of came at you that you didn't see coming? 
unexpected obstacles in terms of creating? Like in, in a career, like in general, like, you know. Oh, I, yeah, in 89, I, I was in a ballet class, uh, and I snapped my Achilles. <laughs> it doesn't even hurt when you snap it. It was felt like a little pinprick. I looked down, and my calf is like a baseball, a softball behind my knee. I went, oh, dear. That's not good. Luckily, I phoned my doctor. He said, do not go to emergency. Go to my a friend of his turned out to be the best Achilles repair surgeon in, I think, North America, a guy named Brian Day. He's in the, in the midst of this big scandal for the... The Canby Surgery Clinic. Okay. He's the uh-huh. guy. He's called Doctor um, Doctor Profit. Anyway, he's a brilliant surgeon. He uh-huh. re- reconstructed my Achilles at ninety-five percent mobility. How old were you then? I, I was eighty-nine. I was thirty-nine. Uh-huh. Yeah. Funny. And I I got mobility like in six months. I was dancing in six months. Wow. Whoa. I did this solo based on Najinsky with a, a rope tied around my filter <laughs> to remind me I was dragging this chair around and. Yeah, I was very, very fortunate, but I, I, I was like a big like halt, and I was you know rehearsing and choreographing from a, from a chair, uh-huh. and I was always used to being physical, showing the movement, and I suddenly couldn't, and that was interesting in terms of my process, and then I it, I actually learned from that and started being a little more removed from the actual creation, mm-hmm. creating some things, but having generating having people generate more, so that was actually an important you know little changing point and oh, turning point in my in my in my choreographic approach mm-hmm. yeah how do you feel your choreographic approach changed over uh, I, I guess over your career so well I would say that it initially started with a lot of influence from what I I'd done professionally in my dance career mm-hmm. From working in New York and working in Hong Kong and working from those choreographers I worked with and stuff that I'd done, so the way I would generate material mm-hmm. would be in that way would would be working out combinations of myself and really sort of more technically oriented right as I got more involved in my my ideas and and really wanting to do more dance theater, my influences became less dance and more filmic. Like film, I got a lot of inf- influence from film mm-hmm. and, and, and more visual I- ideas. And I started doing my process more based on visual ideas that would come to me as opposed to combinations. I would just think about the ideas I saw in a film or the scene I saw in a film, I'd almost try to recreate it in a physical way without being literal. Right, right. So the, the process of the material generated out of my body uh-huh. came out of a visual or filmic ideas. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. before it was like, okay, I remember this, uh, the product of this accumulation and whatever repetition, and, right. and I do more like form- formulaic stuff. Uh-huh. And became more like technique dances, but still in, in, in more theatrical, but very much more technical. Right, right. Whereas I started working with people that were less technical. Uh, I started working with people that were of un- unusual height and, and different mm-hmm. uh, different body types. I worked uh, with a guy named Dima and Dean Mankarenko. I don't know if you know Dean. He's a yeah. friend of, of Dalek's. And they were yeah. sort of more, you know, contact and, and, and right. more, they weren't technical. Sort of were, yeah, they weren't technical dancers, but I, was, I started getting more interested in, in those kinds of, of, mm-hmm. of, of performers. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I worked with Hiromoto Ido. I don't know if you know yes. him. He was one of my him. favorite people to work. He was amazing. We had Dude. such a great connection. And Pipo Damiano, I worked yeah. with quite a bit. And um, Chan, what's his name? Chin. Chen Chen. Chen Chen. He's here. He's here. He's here? Yes, yes. From where? He was living, he went to Taiwan or something. Yes, and he came back and he was going to be in, do you know Alvin's piece last week? Yeah. He was supposed to be in it, but he got injured. Oh, no. I got to see him. He was insane. He's a beautiful dancer. Him and Hiromoto and Stephen... Stephen, he was with Radix. Stephen. Oh yeah. Uh, he's now living in, in Toronto. Anyway, he was a big he, he was a big contact uh-huh. guy. There was Stephen and Hero and and Shin. Uh-huh. I did this piece called Wise Men Wait. It was about chivalry, about men, and I had this big pillar that had a condom on it that plays. <laughs> it was absolutely insane. So I had Hero did his part in Japanese, Shin did his part in Mandarin, and then uh, Stephen who spoke French did in French Canadian. Uh-huh. And there was text and stuff. Oh, and, was and it? Um, oh, I see. Um, uh, not, I want to say Martel, but uh, Judd Martel was. They were friends, but it was Stephen. Uh, 
But anyway, he, he still dancer. comes back here for some workshops. I, I think so. Yeah, great, great guy, great dancer. And so he, we talked about him with Karen. He, um, oh, yeah. So Hero was yeah, and I worked with Hero in, in with with Sufe. Uh, Hero and I we we made a great connection. Um, uh, really, really, really strong. I just I just saw on Facebook that he just did a piece. About my, my last birthday or something about an uh, an old an eighty year old man in the last five minutes of his life and huh. and there's two him him and this woman who was his dead wife are in it it's, it sounds fascinating so he's doing theater work in in, in Nelson oh, he's in Nelson I really want to go talk to because I, I remember yeah I yeah and I just I, I I just send a comment on Facebook but I, I have his email I, I, I have his contact information I that would be great you yes. want you want to, well after we finish our yeah yeah sure sure yeah I want to write to him and say it's, I'm so happy you're still doing theater because he was fucking brilliant just brilliant just so committed and just would get in there and just go go for it yeah it was very inspiring yeah I really appreciated working with him yeah some wow. great people that passed through our studios mm-hmm. yeah so when did the building shut down with the company when it no yes we left the building I still had Astrid Dance and then it was after we had stopped Harvey and I had stopped being partners. Yeah. I still had my own company, but I think it was in that year. It was like like 2000 or 1999 that it, it it was sold and we had to leave the building and then it was knocked down. Yeah. So then I, I started working out of the dance center and started just you know, picking up space where I could. Yeah. And because the dance center just had started. It just started. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and uh, do you know when that? What, what year? What that was, uh, I can't remember. Uh, it's like fifteen years old. This building is. Uh, yeah, it's like two thousand, two thousand one. Yeah. It was just before I left <laughs> because I didn't really get to really. I, I did rehearse in here, but I didn't. I didn't get much of a chance. And I did teach. I did some teaching here. I used to teach a uh, morning community class a lot. Yeah, I did yeah. a lot of teaching. Yeah. Yeah. God, those are good old days. But the, the way you explain it is that there was actually like, there was a lot going on. As you're saying, and the, the yes, there was. There was a lot going on. There yeah. was a lot going on for the, the amount of money that was here. There were like you know, like lots of small companies, four or five big companies. Not the scope that Montreal had. Who were the mm-hmm. big companies? What do you mean? So Anna, Anna Wyman, yeah. Judith, uh, uh, Judith Marcuse, Marcuse yeah. Karen Jamison. Uh-huh. Um, what was that theater company name? So Karen Jamison, you'd say, was all on the same kind of scale. As those three yeah. were the major, or four were the major funded companies. Uh-huh. They got, you know, more or less the same. Mm-hmm. Then just under that was Peter Bingham, Edom Dance, right. was a little bit less. Then, then under that again was uh, um, was Jumpstart and Kokora and our company were were vying, yeah. were trying to get in into the funding stream at so that was time. That all the companies. That were the there, there was a, there was another a couple more a couple of other companies that I've, the. It was a theater, more of a theater company. Or? Uh, I think he had more than been around yet. No, 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 no. It's forget. But they did. They did sort of. They were more project based, but they they had a fair amount of money. But those were the those were the main company. And Bally BC was going at that time. Mm-hmm. So they got most of the money because you know ballet companies always get get more money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there was Paras. Paras right, was, right, I danced for Paras actually, and did a couple of He was around, you know, he's been around for the longest time. 30th, actually. Yeah, he's we're just. We're going to be in his piece in the 30th anniversary. <laughs> it's amazing. Paras is just, he oh, just yeah. keeps going, man. He she's just, he is unrelenting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And then the tea, was, was there a lot of classes, classes for professionals to take and stuff like that? There was a, we were usually a morning professional class, which mm-hmm. was for initially out of main dance. Oh, I see. I taught a lot at Main Dance Place. Main Dance Place, Lisa uh, Cole, and then it became some other woman took it over, Catherine Ricketts. Uh-huh. Oh. And so it moved, I think it, it was it used to be on, on Main Street, and I think that building burned down. And then it moved, and it, it started, there was a school attached to it. Before mm-hmm. it was just sort of more morning, morning classes or daily classes, but there wasn't an actual program of dance. And uh, there was also classes at Harbor. Mm-hmm. So most of the company of people that were professional dancers would take either at Harbor or, or main dance. Or main dance, yeah. yeah. And you worked with Dalek. With yeah. Dalek or? No, just with Dalek. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I did um, a piece for him. Yeah, he commissioned me. And then I performed. And then you performed that crazy. That's amazing. Right? <laughs> that's I, I hair. didn't know this. Turn really his hair. Cool. That was crazy. Yeah. Like I was so happy that it got re- re- remounted. Yeah. Sandbags in the pants. It was crazy. Killer. It's killer. Killer on the side. Three turns with. I know. Like what was it? Five pounds. Yeah, they're a little little heavy sound. Two, two. I think two pound sound. Yeah, yeah, but just hanging right off. Yeah. Did you did you guys film it? Uh, yeah, there's, there's yeah, this is this is the video of Dalek doing it from yeah. the original, and there's a yeah. video of me doing it. Oh, cool! I'd love yeah. to see it. I don't I haven't seen it. I think Dalek has the full video. Oh, I, I, I gotta get. To, I have not seen Dalek since I've been back here. I can't he, believe he's, it. He's. I think he's not coming. Right yeah, we should all time to go see Daily. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we should get together. Yeah, yeah. I never did. Le- I never did much contact. I was not a contact. I was more of a, a repertoire dancer, you know, a technique dancer. But mm-hmm. I, I did do a project. I did one time where uh, Peter asked me. Right? We, we decided to do. A, he had this performance series. He's still going. Yeah, and we decided to do one together. We're, yes, we're, yes, Peter told me to. Yeah, so I taught him some, uh, you know, like a movement phrase, yeah. and then he, 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 I worked on some contact stuff with him and. Uh, and we both did it. He, of course, forgot his office material. And I spent most of my time running away from him. <laughs> <laughs> he did not, letting, no, not allowing him, Peter, to contact me. And, and then, so, then finally I just backed up and threw myself at him. And he put me like up. It was like Peter still did the same. He said, how did you guys do that? And I didn't even know. I was just like flying over his shoulder. And he somehow just manipulated. And I, was just, I just went for it. But. And that was Daily, right? No, no. It was Peter, Peter Bingham. That was Peter. Okay. Yeah. Oh no, it was crazy. So that was my... One, cool. yeah, my one foray into contact improvisation. <laughs> I think it's the, they have a they have a forced issues. That was it. forced tissues. I call it. That was his the name of the of the the program. Forced issues. Yeah. Just oh. No, it was a it was a series he did. Uh, I don't know once a month or something, and different people would come into it. And they were guests. It's maybe it's something similar. It's still it yeah, was what, a, that only one. Well, maybe he did three times a year or so. Yeah, I remember yeah. that was it was always you know four nights and yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. every choreographer can only do it once in once the lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was, it was cool. It was very cool. And I loved Eden. I always loved loved uh, that that collective and the work they did. And it was pretty crazy stuff. And how about socially, like in, in the dance community? Did you guys all hang out? Like, was there like a uh, not a lot? But if, uh, if you're doing that dancing the Edge, edge Festival, right, we usually would get together. And. We were usually, yeah, we usually support each other's work. So usually, we there would people would come to the to the shows and we'd hang out afterwards. And it was a pretty friendly community, with with you know exceptions. <laughs> some people didn't get along, and some people wouldn't talk to each other. And right. you know, right. and uh, but for the most part, there 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 was empathy, right. you know, was. amongst the community. I think we 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 tried to. Just to be that way because it was it was so it was such a starved community, yeah. but there was no there underlying there was this competitiveness, especially with the with the bigger companies. You know there was, and they felt us sort of chewing at the heels, and there was always this you know, okay you know whatever you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Judith Mark Hughes had this thing called the Kiss Project where we had, you had to do five minute pieces and. <laughs> And you know, it was, gave us a little opportunity. But again, I always did try to, to push the envelope. And I, I, I did one. I did a kiss project when I had an archer in it. A real archer. I had a, a guy shooting arrows at, at Kathleen McDonough, who was with the dancer. Yeah, it was. It was wow. called Three Ways to Die. It was based on Diana Ross, uh, Princess Diana, and the Goddess Diana. And for the Goddess Diana, I had arrows flying by. I was in the next wing. There's no way, and they had dummy yeah. things on them. But Truth my kids completely freaked out. What do you do? You can't do that. <laughs> you cannot have arrows like shooting in a performance. I said, why not? She said, awesome. It visually looks like the arrow's about to go through your head, but it's like three feet away. It's just it's a visual trick. Yeah. No, but it was like no performers could. Everybody wanted to watch it from the yeah. wings, but nobody could. <laughs> it's crazy. And, but it still happened. It did, yeah, I did. Uh, no misfires. And I had a professional archer yeah. doing the archery. So, so yeah, 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 yeah. It's not like me doing it. I would like to have saved the money, but I, I actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really amazing because you're actually basically providing a job for an archer to perform. Yeah, so exactly. that's, that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. How did you find the archer? Through, uh, through. No, no, it's through a theater company, through Seeley. Uh-huh. I think Seeley was a, was a theater person uh-huh. that knew, knew somebody, knew an archer. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so I always did crazy, crazy stuff. You know, things that were challenging the dancers and challenging the audiences and, you know. The audience. So yeah. how was the audience here? 
Bigger set, crazier sets, whatever, you know. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so good. So, following, did that dishearten you at all? Small audiences were. Of course, yeah. It's wreck. You know, you, you put up a show, you can only do it twice a year, and you've put a lot of money into it. You've put a lot of money into publicizing it, and then you get mm -hmm. a big house. And you get one full night, and then two small ones, and maybe the last, you know. And usually it would be really frustrating, and I think it still happens that mm -hmm. the you choose a time to do it and then for some reason three or four other people would be around the same week why and it still goes on it just happens it's magic like it's insane it is because you're splitting your audience there's some there's some weekends during the year where I have to try to see five or six shows in yeah and I you know we try to talk to you say why oh because this and this whatever and you couldn't get the dancers because they'd be working on projects and there was there's a lot of overlapping schedules yeah and there was a lot of Try to communicate, but yeah, there's a lot of sharing of dancers, and we, we try to be, you know, generous with that. And you say, okay, let's share, let's find, figure out where's the schedule, where they can both do it. So we, we're giving dancers work, you know. So yeah. there was usually a body of dancers, you know, 10, 10 to 15 dancers that were working all the time, because right. they were the, you know, the chosen body, and they yeah. were, mm -hmm. you know, the best dancers. And and then you know, another generation would come up, or new yeah. people would come in, and that's that's pretty much how it worked. But they'd so be working. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty much that way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it makes sense in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the scheduling is always <laughs> scheduling is a nightmare. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, and I was I was working UBC three days a week. So I commute out there. Teach my comes storming into rehearsals. And, and UBC had a program. No, there was a, a, the School of Human Kinetics. Yeah. Was was giving 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 doing degrees for physical ed teachers, you know, so mm -hmm. people that were jocks and athletes, high level athletes, a lot of football players, hockey players, would have to do dance, a segment of dance because BC had a curriculum for dance. The, the, oh. the school curriculum there was dance that you had to the phys ed teachers had to teach dance, so wow. they had to learn how to teach it. Never mind. No, it, never mind. They had to teach that. Never mind, do that. They had to teach that. So for I don't know, fifty years, I mean, forever, as long as that existed, yeah. phys ed teachers taught square dance. That was I remember being in high school, and we always learned square dance. Yeah. So there was this woman at UBC named Jean Cunningham who tried to create something new, a new type of way of looking at teaching jocks or people that didn't have non-dance people to teach them how to access access some way of teaching movement or teaching teaching creativity yeah. so that's basically what her idea was and I took that further and I basically would teach some dance history a little bit of dance history it was a, actually inherited from her the, the history of, of, of social dancing I taught as an interest thing yeah. and I made them go to see performances and I do the, I would do these movement uh, classes that were little basic little drills, teaching them a really rudimentary vocabulary based on walking, rolling, you know, uh, mm -hmm. jumping up and down. Really simple yeah. stuff that anyone could do yeah. in with music to 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 rhythm to uh -huh. learn about how to rhythmically actually do it, yeah. which would kill them initially. But you know, I had <laughs> and I had six weeks to do it, yeah. and then within two weeks I would have them take that vocabulary and start doing choreographic projects mm -hmm. with it. That they had to perform, so that they had people. to perform at. They had to each. They would work in groups. They had to perform at the as a, as a, the the term project. The end end term project was a performance. Wow! So physics guys had like, we're gonna dance on yeah. stage basically. Yeah. Wow! And the first year was insane. Within two years, it was like there was a waiting list to get into my class. Okay. It was like That's I had basically you could do anything. So one day, this guy said the gym was attached to a parking lot. I said. Could I drive my car in here? I said, I don't see why not. So my boss just about lost her job okay. because I let a guy for a prop, he used a car. Yes. And then they, then they used more, and then it started oh getting crazy God. and really creative. Uh, uh -huh. And But these kids then went away with this. It was all videotaped. They had videotapes, and it was all documented. They had... They had manuals and stuff. They took that to when they became teachers and start and used that same formula 
Did in school, oh. and I got I got a lot of feedback from from guys that you know it really works, and we thank they thank me for doing that. So it was a cool thing. Wow. I had the greatest job. It was really, really, really nice challenging and really very, very uh, interesting. Nice. to see these people do that. Uh-huh. And what was the SFU school? Because you, you went to SFU there for a couple of years. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, uh, I was in a uh, school of uh, kinesiology. I took courses in kinesiology. Yeah, I don't think there was even a kinesiology department. It was just called kinesiology. Well, and dance together. That's well, right. it was, yeah, it was out of, yeah, they did dance through the kinesiology. Right. I see. So there was some theory, and then we did, yeah, we did weird little, like, I remember being a wheelbarrow and we did this weird little ex- improvisation classes and stuff with Iris Garland who's this really sweet lady and uh, she came out of a, uh, I think, Alvin Nikolai tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and basically taught us uh, rudimentary dance, but it was really at its very beginnings. Mm-hmm. And I did two semesters, three semesters and then I quit. Yeah. And yeah. The, the, the SFU, uh, the, the SFU was the only school for for contemporary dance aside from main dance, was that right? Or yeah, it's the only degree. Yeah, it was only it was, it was I think the first degree program, yeah. and then main dance yeah. it became a, a, a uh, or I guess they have a degree, they have a degree yeah, or certificate at least. I don't, no, it was a certificated program. Certificate, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I think may, uh, SFU was the only. And Arts Umbrella didn't exist. Well, no, Arts Umbrella existed, but they didn't have the kind of program they have now. They don't. Uh, that's really evolved. That's so great. How, uh, Artie Gordon has done a huge, great job there. I used to teach there as well. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. I taught. I taught. Diego started. Did you? Sorry. Ten years usually. Oh, wow, that's uh, grad, what a great <laughs> school. Great school. No, and I said, wait, so they're from the motors. Fourteen. Yeah, motors. Motors. Fourteen. Yeah. So you cool. dance at like, oh my god, it's crazy. That's crazy, yeah. <laughs> cool. If you had one artist left to represent artists in the world, who would you choose? If I had one? One art, if you had to choose one artist to represent art to the world. So if there's only one artist left, all of the other ones die off, who would you choose? Wow, that's a really good question. That's living? No, they can come back. The greatest artist. I would, uh, I would say Kazuono, I think. The, the Buto artist. Yeah, he was like an amazing persona of this mm-hmm. movement, and he did the simplest things, and it was just, yeah, really, really, really amazing. That was, I think, most moved. And Pina Bausch, I mean, I, 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 I thought of Pina Bausch as, as a dancer, as a performer, and seeing her her work, but also her as a performer in her own work was just Did you get to see her? Stunning, yeah, one, once I saw her working. And it was just stunning, you know, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, Arash, game time. Game time? <laughs> What's that? So, you like to do... Or oh, wait, wait, actually, wait, there's one more left. There's another question you got. One, one last question. Okay, what do you do with the What we do at the end of these is that we like to play 20 questions. So we say two things and you pick which one you like better of the two. So for example, okay, we go. Yeah, but wait, this question, the the superhero one. Oh, superhero. if you had a superpower, what would you choose? If I had a superpower, yeah, what would I choose? Mm-hmm. Levitation. Levitation. <laughs> uh, if you had advice for our up and coming generation as <laughs> dance artists, is there anything that you want to say, or anything you don't like, anything that you see happening right now that you like, or that you feel is missing? Yeah, any advice that you feel that's missing? No, I, I I'm, I'm very, very excited and, and very in awe of what's happening in terms of dance. The amount of versatility and and the amount of experimenting and uh, the physicality that is now evolving in this in, in, in our community or internationally, like whatever the Gaga, whatever, whatever you have it, it's 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 really uh, like a rejuvenation. Uh-huh. And my advice is, is would be just just keep going in that direction and 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 and, and fostering that that experimentation and that willingness to to experiment with different uh, physical physic, different types of physica- physicality and and. Uh, and an openness, and I, I just find there's so much more openness in in, in the community and, and in performers mm-hmm. now, right. and uh, that was lacking. I I felt in, in my time, my day, that there was there was sort of not a 
there's an arrogance perhaps or, or even bias or there is a, there's biases within disciplines and mm-hmm. we don't, you don't see that now and there's just there's so much more embracing of, of gender of whatever there's just more equality yeah. and I think that is nurturing and, and creating a, a much healthier environment because the dance environment was not that healthy when I was mm-hmm. in New York and stuff, you know, it was a lot of yeah, a lot of, a lot of unhealthy shit going on, and I think it just seems a lot healthier. So, Is there a lot of drugs in the scene in New York. Well, New York, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of the dancers did coke and a lot of yeah, yeah, that's an, yeah, there was a lot of that going on in New York. I, I, I tried it a couple of times and it was just exhausting. It just knocked the shit out of me. I went, I don't want to do that. I, I can't rehearse the next day. No way. <laughs> just knocks you out. So yeah. For up and coming choreographers, is there anything that you would anything else you'd leave different than just for the up and coming dance generation? Up and coming choreographers too. Well, and I think that's happening to speak with a with with a, with a, a real truth to speak with an honest voice and, and not 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 have fear uh-huh. of no matter where where you're going with your your vision or your idea just to, to follow that truth right. to not and I I don't think it's well perhaps it's still I mean, what happened a lot in, in in our case is that their producers started to get a lot of power and they started saying well if you just did this and if you just you know tempered your work a little this way and what we're looking for is this kind of look this year right. and you'd feel seduced or almost uh, compelled to sort of follow that track yeah. I I, I refuse to do that I, I, and, I, and I, I think a lot <laughs> a lot of gigs because of it yeah. but to, to, to stay true to a choreographic right. vision I think a lot of it seems like the work is is becoming more genuine and, and more authentic and there, there is that that truth that, that young mm-hmm. creators are speaking more so than I don't know more so but in a certainly in a more visible way now yeah. than I remember. Mm-hmm. I just, I just remember experiencing like, wow, these people. I'm seeing work that is being manipulated by producers because right. it's all looking kind of similar, yeah. and it's because it's the flavor of the year of the month, whatever. And mind you, that's sort of happening, or has been happening for the last ten years with the with the Gumby. William Forsyth right. de- deconstructed yeah, yeah. ballet, yeah. and we're yeah. you know we're all tired of seeing that yeah. pretty much. You know. game, yeah. game. Uh, so it, it does still exist, but yeah. so yeah, I would say to 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 try to find something that has originality and, and, and a spirit that is unbreakable mm-hmm. that you can hold on to. That's saying that this is what I'm. I don't care if no one else is doing it. Right. How, mm-hmm. Having the courage to. To, to, to continue with, with, with a, a vision or um, an mm-hmm. aesthetic that maybe not everybody's doing because it becomes mm-hmm. it becomes the aesthetic pretty much eventually. A lot of the work that I did became sort of mainstream or you know, stuff that I was working with mm-hmm. with video and, and, and more dance theater or text or stuff became, it's now used all the time. So I mean that that will happen with each each generation, mm-hmm. but I think having the, the the courage, having the the conviction, and 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 yeah, awesome. and um, the foresight to say yeah, this is gonna this is gonna fly. I think that's important for all. I think for all creators at all times, yeah, yeah. to not to not go with the with the mainstream. Mm-hmm. So yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, time for the again. All right. Please, please respond as quick as possible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fishes or birds? Birds. Trees or streetlights? Trees. Wine or beer? Wine. Lakes or oceans? Oceans. Feet or hands? Feet. Raisins or chocolates? Chocolates. Dice or cards? Dice. Candles or lamps? Candles. Black or white? White. Sugar or honey? Honey. Socks or sweaters? Sweaters. Soap or gloves? Soap. (laughs) Cloud or sky? Sky. Crocodiles or snails? Snails. Bikes or boats? Bikes. Gates or doors? Doors. Dirt or asphalt? Dirt. Coffee or tea? Tea. Wood or marley? Wood. Sunset or sunrise? 
sunset. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> that was fun. That was great. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode with yes, thank Cornelius Fisher Credo. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the others, um, I'm sure that you did. Are you speaking for everybody out there? I think you said that's what I was intending to. <laughs> you a lot of power. But really, that was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. So please subscribe and uh, let your friends know, uh, especially if they're younger and they don't know uh, much about what happened for them. I, I bet they don't know much about it. Um, and if they win the bet, tell them to come and tell us what they know. We can get them on the podcast too. But uh, please let them know that, um, or whoever's a dancer, young dancer, mid-20s dancer. Um, anybody, even non-dancers, anybody who wants... non-dancers, yeah. Uh, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, and if you don't like Apple like me, you can go on the Biting School website, um, which we'll link to somewhere. In the bottom of the We link. should get a website one day. But, but it's, 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 it, this is on Stitcher, right? It's on Stitcher, too. It's on Stitcher. It's on Podcast Republic, I think. Any, it automatically goes a, on there. Yeah, any can. major podcasting um, top you should be able to find us. Uh, please also send us hate mail if you are offended or... Wow, my phone went off. If you are offended or uh, have any comments or um, if you liked it, that'd be nice to hear too. Um, we prefer hate mail, but um, that's all I have. All right. See you next episode with... Who's our next episode? You don't want to say it? Why not? You don't want to say it? What's the date? You don't want to say it? Can I say the date? We don't want to say it. it, it this episode has ended. This <laughs> It's actually John Lennon's birthday today. No way. For anybody who knows that, uh, what that date is, today is that date. And the second presidential oh, uh, debate. Debate. Uh-huh. So right. we're going to go to a pub and eat some chicken wings and have a beer. And I'm going to speak so slowly that the podcast will have to end. I don't think I'll have either of those, but okay. What, what are you going to do? <laughs> Just gonna watch. What? Bye. No. You have to. I'm not gonna sit there and eat and drink alone. Bye. Goodbye.